Yeah, that wasn't. It was, it was not. It's one of your worst. I'm just gonna be honest. Out of 51 episodes, that might have been your worst joke ever. But that's okay. You'll have time to redeem yourself. Hello. It is Wednesday, October 28th, and even with Halloween only a few days away, the only thing you'll find spooky about today's episode is maybe having to picture me doing yoga. I hope you don't usually choose trick, because today we are excited to treat you to another classic podcast episode. Our podcast, of course, is The Real Bros of Holly Springs. I'm Brandon Rhodes, joined by Joey Will, the Snickers to my Reese's in the Halloween Candy Hall of Fame. Dude, I think that might be the most impressive intro you've done. The way you just like segued your dad jokes kind of and your, your sense of humor into, you know, how we build off of each other. I, dude, kudos, man. I'm so glad and thankful to be able to spend our pre-Halloween days together on this podcast. Me too. I'm, I, I wish you and, and yours and all of our listeners a happy Halloween's Eve's Eve's Eve uh, and a very safe weekend. Um, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at marketing underscore HSHS. Uh, so right now, there's really only one question on the minds of all of our listeners. Uh, and that is, how did your speed dating adventure go on Saturday? Um, I'll start off by saying the Twitter poll of our of my cheese-based pickup lines. The fourth option, I guess if things work out between us, we'd have a cheesy story about how we met. That one with an overwhelming two-thirds of the vote. So the first question is, is like, did you use that line on Saturday? Well, the first thing I want to let everybody know is that the, the location that we, we did this speed dating activity at, uh, with, there was a very large like outdoor patio um, upstairs. There was like a fenced in backyard that was very open. Uh, so between the different activities and us moving around from like you know, the, the distance tables from each other and then kind of going downstairs to the outdoors area. We obviously were wearing masks um, as we moved kind of from activity to activity. So I just want everybody to know that, you know, we followed the right protocols. Um, but to answer your question, Rhodes, um, and you guys might not have known this on the, uh, the podcast, but uh, the Raleigh Cheesy, the, the woman that runs Raleigh Cheesy, actually like put a mention of the podcast guy. Um, so on her Instagram story, she actually said, I see you, Bachelor, right? So apparently a lot of the, the women at this event uh, follow Raleigh Cheesy and somehow already had known that there was a famous podcaster at this event. So like my go-to line, I'm sorry to tell you, was, hey, how did you, you know, know about Raleigh Cheesy? And then people would be like, oh, I follow Instagram. And then it was just like a segue. Oh, yeah, okay. Did you hear about the, the podcast guy, Bachelor? So that was kind of like my segue question. Um, but some people did learn that part of the podcast episode last week was these questions. And none of them found it as humorous as me and you. So I'm glad I did not use uh, any of these lines on any of the uh, potential bachelorettes that I would, you know, try to get a date with afterwards. So I guess the good news about that is if the girls didn't find the lines funny, I guess you didn't have to break their hearts by telling any of them that I was married. So I guess that was, I guess that's a positive for all of them is they didn't get their hearts broken by that news. Oh yeah. They, they had no, I wasn't throwing you under the bus. I didn't, I just said my podcast co-host uh, wrote these, you know, fun lines and they're like, oh yeah, tell me some. So I told some of the, the women there, uh, the lines that you came up with, the, uh, 
the story one about having a good cheesy time or the, the cheesy uh, story about how we met and the, the original one you talked about, the Gouda time. I, I told them those two because those, those were the only two that I could like remember that like I could easily like just spit out and then be like, oh yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good line. Winky face, like, wow, that was stupid. So um, it worked out though. It did work out. They, they, well, they thought it was humorous that I was a podcast host. I know when you got there, you told me that the woman who ran it actually did tell you that one of the girls that was there was named Bree. So you, you didn't use any of the uh, Bree jokes on her. You feel like she, that probably wasn't the right format for that? Uh, no, I actually was the, the first person there. So, you know, I got to the, the building that they, they had the event at and I like showed up, the doors locked to get in there. I was like, am I even at the right place? So it was kind of funny because I got to like talk to the, the host of the event, um, Courtney Bowman, and she, she pretty much was like, hey, you're the first bachelor here. You get to choose like where you want to sit. So while we were like kind of talking about like what was going to go on, she's like, hey, it's kind of funny um, that Rhodes came up with her. I, I know she didn't say your name, but your, your co-host came up with these, these cheese puns because there's actually somebody named Bree here. And I just thought it was so funny because you've made a Brie cheese joke before and we've talked about your your love affair with that actress. Uh, so um, not as much as uh, Kesha, but you do love love you some Brie. So I just thought it was funny because she brought up the fact and I didn't even have to say anything. She's like, yeah, we have a Brie here, but it's spelled B-R-E, not, not B-R-I-E. So, you know, the, the joke still works. Um, so I guess I'm not going to ask you to go in depth on your, you know, play by play analysis with the, uh, the different girls there. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll ignore that part of it, but, uh, but was it, was it an overall positive experience for you? Yeah, I think, uh, from me personally, I think the one thing that I was like so hesitant about was like, I've never done that before. And obviously because I'm still single, uh, whatever I've been doing hasn't been working. So I think it was worth putting myself out there in, a, in an environment or situation that I've never done before. And I think Courtney, uh, she's the, the owner of Raleigh Cheesy. She worked uh, with somebody named Lauren Stevens, um, who owns uh, kind of a company that does like creative workshops uh, called Joy Worth, Co uh, Joy Worth Co. And I think they did a fantastic job of like creating an environment that was very welcoming, very fun engaging for the different couples um, as we went from activity to activity. So I think the event itself went really well. Um, I'm glad that I put myself out there. Definitely met some, some people that I, I thought were, were really cool, really fantastic individuals. Um, so I'm looking forward to how that works out moving forward. We'll see. But uh, all in all, great experience. And my, my one advice for all our listeners, because most of you probably aren't going to go on a speed dating uh, event anytime <laughs> soon. But Overall, in general, right, like put yourself out there, maybe do some some things that you might not be comfortable with at first and just go with it. And I think by the time the, the event, you know, ended after three hours, I was like, you know what, I'm very glad no matter if I get a date out of this or not. Like, I'm very glad that uh, I put myself through this, um, you know, situation, this put myself in that environment um, and open myself up there to potentially, you know, an experience that would improve moving forward. So. I can't complain. You know, whether or not you got any dates out of this or not, I hope that all of our listeners will write down this podcast name on their card and will agree to go on another date with us next week for our next episode as well. Um, so, so we'll see about that. 
Um, you know, I almost wanted to put in a segment here talking about like if we could do a speed dating event at school, which would be so much fun. That might not be the most appropriate topic, so we'll skip that. But I just want to say that would be such a fun thing to put on. I would love to do that. Uh, we probably shouldn't talk about it though. So let's just move on. Uh, so, and other things. Before we move on, just real quick, right? If you guys would love to follow um, these two individuals that ran the event, uh, you can go to at Raleigh Cheesy on Instagram or at Joy Worthy Co. Um, and hopefully you guys can find some interesting things uh, to improve your life as well. I will say that after Raleigh Cheesy, after Courtney Bowman mentioned us in her story, I went to kind of check out some of her Instagram stuff. Uh, and I'm not a huge cheese guy, but the cheese board she had like looked very good. Uh, nice unpaid advertisement. So, you know, you should give Will 50% off his next uh, speed dating night for that. Um, so, um, the big thing, you know, Will's been going speed dating. The big thing that's new in my life is uh, basketball workouts. We got started last week. Um, we just finished up our third uh, workout yesterday. Um, and I got to say, it's been unbelievably awesome to be able to, to be coaching again. Um, I, I just, it's, it's been so exciting. I've enjoyed it so much. It's been so great to, to see some of these guys in person again. Um, it's just been great to be able to kind of work with them, interact with them. Um, it's, it's just been so much fun. Even talking to some of the kids that were here yesterday, they just mentioned that this is their first time back, like inside school since March, which is, which is just wild. Um, you know, with the, with the safety protocols, we talked about those with, uh, with coach Davis before volleyball, you know, checking everyone's temperatures before they come inside the school, asking them like a series of like 10 safety questions, um, you know, keeping kids apart. They're wearing masks for all the times besides for when they're like actually participating in their sport, keeping them six feet apart. Um, I, I do feel like that the that what we have here is is a, is a pretty safe environment for them to be working in. Um, I know it's certainly I know I see a lot of people that are out doing like club sports. Uh, I know it's certainly much safer than the environment that they're doing sports outside of school with. Uh, I think we've we've created kind of a safe space for you know for that, and I, it's, it's just great. I think it's great for us. It's great for the kids to be able to have kind of sports back in that way. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely mentioned, you know, why we love coaching so much, and it's about those those interactions and those relationships. So I am, you know, very happy to know that, like, volleyball's got tryouts next week, so does cross, cross country, and then obviously you're, you're getting into the full swing. Soccer is starting back up November 10th, so I'm just glad that even though we have all these safety precautions in place and we're doing things in such a different way than we're norm, normally doing them or accustomed to, I like the fact that we have some resemblance to normalcy by having these workouts and being able to interact with our athletes. So I'm really happy about that. But um, if people aren't aware, there, there have been some positive athletic cases uh, throughout Wake County at some different schools. So, you know, obviously you just started the workouts. Like, what do you think about, you know, those schools having positive tests and how it might impact, you know, your basketball workouts and you know future workouts moving forward so that's the thing like you know unlike professional sports high school athletes um, obviously are not in a bubble um, so you know we can't control what students are doing the you know the you know we're, we're here for two hours a week at workout so we can't really control what students are doing the rest of the time so unfortunately there have been a couple of cases i think at three different wake county high schools of people that have gone to athletic workouts um, that have tested positive um, and that's kind of the whole idea behind the protocol is so hopefully that in case there is somebody that's coming to workouts that ends up um, being positive for COVID, that they're not in a position where they are, you know, able to spread that to other people um, that they've been working out with. So I know that at least so far, um, that hasn't been the case, that it's kind of been those three isolated incidents. 
Um, so hopefully if that continues to be the case, then at least that, that means that we are doing something correct in terms of like the protocols, doing a good job of kind of stopping the spread of that, which I know is a lot of the point of it in the first place. So that's certainly, um, you know, I currently, you know, for all sports and stuff, like people have to stay six feet apart and stuff. Um, if cases keep popping up, uh, you know, you worry that that might make it so that we're not getting closer to competition or being able to kind of play our sports fully. Um, but I know, you know, for me personally, like following the protocols here is really important because I obviously want to keep myself healthy and my wife healthy and all the students healthy uh, and to keep working out. I know that following kind of these protocols is, is the best way of ensuring that we at least get to keep doing basketball activity at school. Yeah. I, I mean, Rhodes is somebody for all of our listeners, right. Who has expressed, like, I think the number one priority for you has always been safety. And, and I can just tell through our off air conversations. And right now, like, I know you feel safe based off some of the things that we're doing and keeping the kids socially distanced and obviously like sanitizing the equipment. Like I feel like you feel safe in this environment. So the, the fact that you feel safe after being such a proponent for rightfully so a proponent for safety measures and keeping people healthy. Like I can tell that you feel safe in this environment. So I hope other people, other athletes, other coaches feel the same way. I do. Like, honestly, to like, to be blunt, like I wouldn't be doing this if I thought that doing this was kind of putting myself or more specifically like Claire, who's like somewhat immunocompromised, like at risk. Uh, and I don't think that I'm putting her in that position. So that's kind of, that, that's my bar to clear for doing this. Uh, so I, I, I do feel confident in kind of the stuff that we have in place. So talking about workouts, and, and this is our last thing before we bring on our special guest. Um, I kind of ran into you uh, in, in your room. You had the door locked. I was a little concerned. You usually have your door kind of cracked or open with lights on. And your door was closed, lights off. So like, I, I, feel, I felt like you got kidnapped, right? And all of a sudden, like I walk up, and there you are standing like in the middle of the room. Like I thought like I had seen a ghost and there you are doing stretches. And all of a sudden, like I realized like Rhodes is doing some yoga. This is awesome. I love me some yoga. So kind of like a breakdown for the uh, listeners. Like, why are you starting to do some yoga and kind of walk us through? Like, did you enjoy it? What are your first thoughts after your first yoga session? So I'll say that when you thought you saw a ghost, that was probably just my bare feet on the mat. Um, <laughs> my toes don't get a whole lot of time out. Uh, it's a extreme um, ankle tan line that I have going on. So that might have been the ghost that you thought you saw. Um, but yeah, you know, for, for honestly, for years, Claire has been telling me to do yoga because I am very stiff. Um, I get some aches and pains somewhat, even at my still relatively young age. Um, my like my I, I can't sit like cross-legged like crisscross applesauce um, I don't know of a better way to say that um but so I can't like sit that way which she finds like incredibly troubling uh and she's worried about my ability to do simple things like walk or move as we advanced into my late 30s and beyond so she's been telling me to do yoga um you know I saw I've been seeing people doing it and then actually you were a huge reason why I started last week um, I walked into your classroom and you had a yoga mat there and kind of mentioned that you were going to do some yoga uh, in your classroom I was like you know what Claire's got actually yoga mats um I kind of aspirationally had said that I wanted to start working out during my planning period some here and I was like you know what? I'm going to bring a yoga mat in and and let's, let's see if we can do that and we do some kind of light workouts also kind of make good use of my you know hour and a half plus break that I have every morning and so just try it out. You know, I tried out uh, yoga with uh, yoga with Adrian. 
Um, I'd, I'd heard recommendations for her from multiple sources, like her very, very, very beginning yoga. And I got to say, my, my body's killing me today, but like, it, it's wild. Like after I did it yesterday, I did feel like so much more calm, so much more relaxed. Uh, and I felt like proud of myself for the stuff that I was able to do. Like there was a couple of things where I was like, huh, I could do that. But downward facing dog, like that's, that's no joke. Uh, Ruzars does that for, you know, minutes and minutes a day. And I, I had no idea he had that type of core strength. Uh, I, I'm not quite there yet. I think, uh, I think with yoga, you have to be willing to embrace being uncomfortable. Uh, especially when you start out, because you're going to be doing a lot of poses. You're going to be doing a lot of things to your body that you're not used to. And it's a struggle, man. Like just the, the poses that you have to hold that aren't even that like challenging, like in terms of flexibility, but just holding them in that position. It's, it's rough. It's tough, but I love it. And I've been trying to do twice a week for the last, I would say three weeks to last month, just to try something different. And I got to say like, Doing weights is great, and I, I try to do that a little bit too every now and then as well, but there's something about yoga that is calming and relaxing. Like once you get through it, if you can just kind of push yourself to like work on your breathing and calm down, even though I still curse at the TV when it's struggling, struggle mode, but uh, when you can work through it and then you get to the end and you kind of do your like last like yogi pray or prayer, right? Like I don't even know what it's called, the shavasana, whatever they call it. Um, like when you get to that last part, it's actually really calming just to like, after all that work, lay down your back and just palms up in the air. Like it's nice. It's relaxing. I love it. Yeah. You know, so I think the hardest part about doing yoga is doing that first class. I think the second hardest part is going to be doing that second one. So like, I really like tomorrow <laughs> or, or Friday, I really want to like get back out there and kind of, again, get like kind of what you're saying, kind of at a two or three times a week, you know, trying to do it. Um, that's that's where, that's where I'm hoping to go to. Um, we'll see if I actually, you know, end up making that happen, but you know, just kind of getting my body ready for the, for the mid to late thirties, you know, as a couple of our former students have told us, you know, like we're in a different generation, man, we're, we're getting older. So we gotta, gotta get our bodies ready for that. Well, coming up next, we will be joined by an original HSHS staff member and the director of the Holly Springs dance program, Ms. Stoderman, who might be able to help us with some of our yoga questions. Coming up next after a word from our sponsor. If we ever need to hire a third person to join our podcast crew, I know just where we'd go. ZipRecruiter.com. It is the place to go if you're looking for a job or if you're a small business looking to hire. Just upload your resume and in a few clicks, you can browse through thousands of job possibilities in your area. And if you're an employer, it is the best place to look for qualified applicants. I know that there are many local principals just waiting to pounce to hire their next qualified teacher on ZipRecruiter in case any current teachers say something inappropriate on a podcast I host. Again, I don't know who those principals might be, but there's got to be some in the area. Whether you're a recent college grad looking to start your career, you're ready to look for a better job or jump into a new career, or are a business looking to hire or expand, ZipRecruiter is the place for you. Make sure to use promo code REALBROS to get your first three months on the site for free. Again, that promo code is REALBROS. ZipRecruiter.com. Your next job is only a few clicks away. We are very excited today to be joined by the third original Hawk that we've had on as a podcast guest. She has run the school's dance program since the school opened and has always been very active in the school's community. Ms. Soderman, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It is awesome that I've been invited. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We are very excited for it also. 
Um, you know, we've thought about having you on as a guest before, but there's a specific thing later on that we definitely wanted to make sure to ask you about. Like you're, we thought that might have some expertise on it, a, a big area that's important to us now. But we'll, we're start, we'll start off with some school stuff. Okay. Um, so after seeing like your dancers practicing and working together in the hallway for pretty much the last seven years, um, out kind of like by the ox gym and stuff, I have, a, I have a hard time picturing how you guys are doing this class of online learning. So how, how is the semester and kind of how is online dance going for you? It, it actually is being, uh, it's being very successful. Uh, and it, it's, I think it's evolved from where we started in the spring. Um, if I can just go take us back to March, I was doing a lot of pre-recorded work where I would um, just create simple phrases and have the kids learn the dances asynchronously and send me videos um, of themselves dancing. And so that was really great in ways that I was able to give each kid uh, that submitted the videos the individualized feedback that maybe they wouldn't get uh, in the group um, way that we would have class because a lot of times when I do teach um, for, for the masses, I would just give a lot of um, general feedback so that a lot of the dancers are saying, okay, this is some of the things that I'm seeing. Let's see if you can fix this or try to work on this, um, but maybe not particularly paying specific attention or at least addressing a particular child um, when they're in a, a larger group. So the ability to give that one-on-one -on -one feedback I felt was um, really beneficial in the spring. So then we came into fall um, with the with the requirement being that we were doing more synchronous working, um, one of the things that this program really succeeds with is the collaboration and the, the level of creativity that the kids work together. As you said, you always pass them in the hall and they're in small groups and they're, they're choreographing their own work and their own ideas and, and learning how to negotiate those ideas with others and put them in, into their routines. So I was having a hard time at first with the synchronous learning in um, not being able to use the breakout rooms. And so if you were to uh, come down to the studio, we found a way at first that I could uh, set up several computers and actually just move them into separate groups. And so the kids were able to interact with each other. They were able to collaborate and I could sit there and monitor all of them at the same time and listen to them, which I think is, you know, better than now that we can use the breakout room feature. Um, not really being able to see them um, as well as I'm able to see them as I have them literally surrounding me uh, in 360 uh, computer screens. So the kids appreciated that. I've loved it. And they're really finding, they're, they're adapting and they're finding ways to collaborate and, and create their work. So it's been, it's been great. And also we found new ways of doing things where um, they've, they've, we've reached outside of what we would normally expect to see and do um, and, and find new ways using technology to bring our work into just a new realm, which has been really refreshing, especially as I've been doing this for about 22 years now. So it's, it's helped to evolve my practice also. And, and both of us know that one of the, the big things that the, the dancers at school like contribute to is the nutcracker. So obviously that's, that's something what, that we might not be able to have this year, obviously with things going on the way they're going. Um, so like what, what are some of the plans that you have to like maybe do something virtual to like get them to perform in, in some capacity, if you have any plans. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's been really hard. Um, that has been a show that has been in my life for 
16 years now because I actually did it uh, two years elsewhere prior to coming here. And it is, um, it's sort of that trademark that you've invested so many years of research of learning the different cultural styles and developing and, and all the work that's gone into the costuming and then the kids, uh, just the tradition of passing down those roles and being a part of the leadership and bringing new dancers into the ensembles every year. And then of course, being able to see the elementary school students when they come in and to know that I mean, so many of the students who saw it originally are now actually in the program as older older dancers has been so rewarding so it's a it's a very sad thing that we are unable to do it um we thought briefly about possibly trying to do something virtually with it but there's a lot that goes into the um the copyright and the um the reproduction rights to the to the works and i i we really can't so um we're taking time to do we're taking time to focus more on the smaller projects within the class and really just developing the dancers in in the curriculum it's allowed us to slow down um i actually had a dancer reflect on kind of seeing seeing the program in a new perspective and i think that what she was was trying to say was that we we are able to kind of breathe a little bit more in the way that we are unable to during a nutcracker season because we have so much work on our plates so i do think that it has been a little bit refreshing in that regard um we are not planning anything as of yet for fall semester um, but in the spring we do have several options for some virtual work um, we will be a part of a musical production that the the fine arts department is currently uh, talking about and trying to, to put together and we will have our um, our senior showcase and our honors night performance in uh, in may well it seems like that's a sugar plum fairy uh good schedule that you guys have planned so far <laughs> Um, but no, that, that is cool. I'm glad you go do something. I really wanted to work in some sort of sugar plum fairy joke, and that's really the best I can come up with. Yeah, that wasn't. It was, it was not. It, it's one of your worst. I'm just gonna be honest. Out of 51 episodes, that might have been your worst joke ever. But that's okay. You'll have time to redeem yourself. Our, our, our sugar, sugar plum fairy in our show. Just just so you know. Okay. That's okay. Um, that's yeah. That was, that was really the best, most pun related thing I can think of. That's. That's uh, that's on me. Um, so I, you might have mentioned it. Maybe it is like the Nutcracker performance you guys are missing out on. But like, is there something like what's the biggest thing that you miss kind of from teaching um, pre-COVID, like in regular school? Like, what's kind of the, the biggest thing that you're missing out on currently? Um, a lot of the side conversations, just when you talk about the importance of relationship building the ways that when the kids would just come down the hall and I meet them usually every day, you know, I, I started a, a tradition of actually signing them in with a clipboard. And as silly as that sounds, the purpose in doing so was not just for accountability of making sure they were there on time, but it allowed me to ask every kid a question as they were coming in and just kind of whether it was the same question and I just, hey, what, you know, what did you do during first period or what did you find interesting about the unit we just covered, you know, just trying to or what did you have, you know, for breakfast, just finding ways to talk to them um, without it being centered on curriculum and in, in you can do that with some of the kids when they're signing into your Google Meets early on and they're one of the first few kids there. But obviously as the classes um, get rolling, you know, it's harder to have that one-on-one -on -one just 
build the relationships with the kids. And so I, I miss, I just miss that. I miss getting to know who they are on a deeper level um, through that opportunity that isn't around teaching. Definitely. And I know we've talked about that a lot in, uh, over the last few episodes, and that's definitely the, the thing that we both miss as well. Um, but as, as a great idea for one of your you know, start of class things to ask kids, you just ask them for their best nutcracker pun. That way maybe you have a whole reservoir to like use for future years. That's a, I, can, I can give them to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I would really appreciate that. I'm, I'm always in the hunt for more good puns. If, if we had like a nutcracker production for real, like Rhodes would love the opportunity to just roll out, just start speaking puns about the nutcracker. So maybe prevent, like don't give him that list until like maybe next year for sure. Yeah, I know. I know that doesn't really have an MC, so like I, I, I wouldn't be going out beforehand and not crack the audience up. But uh, you know, now that one, that one was better. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, and you, uh, Simon, you probably have mentioned this. Obviously, like the the way that the the dancers, you know, collaborate and really push each other to get better throughout their their four years here um, as dancers. But a lot of your dancers have gone on to like collegiate dance programs. Um, so can you just kind of talk about, uh, how they get inspired with dance and how you build your program to like inspire them to continue that, uh, into their, you know, obviously college education. Yeah, thanks. I think one of the biggest eye-opening experiences for the students is uh, those that get the opportunity to attend festival with us. Um, festival is a great way for them to see, the directors and dance program um, faculty from so many of the top schools across the country and um, to be recognized for you know their talents within the class they get scouted they get recruited they go through an audition process and then they have a college fair that we walk around and talk to the different uh, representatives and dance program directors and it's just a great way to get the kids exposed to what else is out there. And I think the more that we have done that, we've been going to festivals since the school opened. Um, there's obviously a huge push to stay to the in-state schools, and it's not that there's not great programs here in North Carolina for dance, but we have seen uh, over the past several years, we've definitely seen more kids exploring the out-of-state programs um, because again, they are a little bit more recognized uh, for in the dance in the dance world, um, and so that has been great because I do think that the dancers push each other when they see their peers going off to Montclair or going off to VCU um, or Cornish School of the Arts. You know that they it's opening their eyes and uh, Point Park University, another one where we've got uh, several students, and so I do think that it's the kids kind of paving the way. Um, for each other to say, hey, look at, you know, don't don't be blind to some of these really great competitive programs that are out there and how fun they are and how great they are. And look at all the, the incredible experiences I'm getting to grow as a dancer, to be exposed to professional choreographers, to have uh, great performance opportunities and, you know, just to kind of grow their exposure to to places outside of North Carolina. So I've I've definitely seen an increase in that since we've started the, the program. And uh, and then several students, what I love, every year we do an annual Nutcracker, 
no, of course we do an annual, not cracker, we do an annual newsletter. And in the newsletter, we highlight alumni. And there are, there are several dancers who have gone on. Um, some are on Broadway tours. One was actually on Broadway. Um, several are doing uh, commercial work and in small companies. Uh, they are their own choreographers and doing their own projects. So we're starting to see now that second uh, phase because the kids have, have graduated these programs and are now working professionally in the field. And so that's even more exciting. Uh, and I hope to continue on that, that tradition uh, as well. That's probably interesting to see, like for kids, it's actually a, a real professional career option for them. Like that going to like college for dance is not just like the, there's like stuff after that as well. Like you can kind of invest in your future in that way. So I'm sure that's really cool for the people in the program to see alumni kind of having success with that. And I, th I thought the, the newsletter thing, I didn't realize that you did that, but I think that's really cool to be able to make connections with former students. I know that's one of the things that me and Rhodes have like really loved about this podcast is being able to make connections with students and to see where they're at. Uh, we had Matt, uh, Matt Ackerman on the, the podcast and he's like a professional gamer now. So like seeing where those you know students were when they first entered the program versus like where they're at now with their professional career. I think that's really cool that you do that. Thanks. So kind of speaking of people, you know, going to school for dance and stuff, um, you know, in, in the coaching world, the sports world, the kind of a big thing is that like they say, like those that can't play coach. Um, so I don't know if that's kind of why you became a dance teacher, like those that can't dance become dance teachers. I'm, I'm mostly kidding. Uh, but like, do you want to talk about what your background in dance was and kind of what made you want to become a dance teacher? Sure. Um, I started in a professional ballet company when I was younger, the Mid-Hudson Ballet Company in New York. Um, I went to the University of the Arts, uh, which is a conservatory program in Philadelphia. And it was actually my senior year. I'll never forget my jazz dance uh, teacher uh, was telling me not to go into education. So right away, I, I had gotten into um, Teachers College Columbia University for my do uh, master's program and and was going there and i did i'm going there right after graduation and she was trying to convince me otherwise to take time and dance professionally because um you know she, i i was on the right track uh, to to perform but my father was uh, an athletic director a coach i've always grown up in the fields of education surrounded in education and i just knew that there's a part of me that really loved being able to provide opportunities for others. Um, actually, when I started a lot of my work, I was doing more with at-risk populations. Um, and I just kind of found myself, I found myself off that track uh, as, as the years progressed. But um, I was doing, I worked with AmeriCorps in South Philadelphia, and I uh, was doing some work um, in the inner city schools in New York City when I went to Columbia. So I, I just felt like, I have a talent, but it, it doesn't need to be used selfishly on me. And I get the joy in performing for my, as a dancer. Um, I don't love choreographing, so I'll be honest. Uh, you know, I enjoy being able to collaborate with dancers in creation of work because I don't, it's just an aspect of the field that I've never really um, fully 
fell in love with. Um, and so there is a joy for, of being on stage, but it's a selfish one. And I'm just, I'm just not like that. So I, I really am more about creating the worlds that these other kids get to grow and, and bond and be a part of. And that's, that's, it's just a passion to be in education. And so, um, yeah, I think the only thing, like I said, that's, that has really changed about me as an educator now is really just the population I'm working with. Um, and, and, you know, I'm still, I'm still not done with my career. So there's ways that I hope uh, at some point to maybe pivot and return to some of that work. Um, but this is a great program. These are incredible students. They're so talented and the school and the community is so supportive um, that that's, you know, I found my home here. And so, um, yeah, that's why I love education. So do you get more of a rush, like watching like a great performance put on by one of your students than you did from your own performances? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, I, the kids will, the kids will, that are hearing this right now, they'll know that I'm, I'm crying in the back of the theater like waterworks when I talk about and see them succeeding and having those smiles and hearing the applause of the, um, you know, of their, of the audience for them. Um, just, and you know, how there's just no other feeling in the world than, than knowing what they are feeling and experiencing and knowing that you were a part of making that happen. Um, yeah, it's, it's really special. Okay. And then you also mentioned that like, so you were in a ballet company when you were younger and you mentioned taking like a jazz dance course in college. Like what, what type of dance were you best at in your dancing career? Um, I didn't get into contemporary until college. So honestly, ballet was the foreground, like the, the background of everything I did. And then I, um, later in high school, I actually started getting into um, some tap, which took me into some college years also. But really it's having that contemporary, the ballet background um, is was what I was best in. And then it, blended into a form of contemporary dance, um, which is Horton. Um, that technique style tends to have a lot of similarities to ballet um, in that it's, it's very linear. The shapes are very elongated. Um, and I think that it just, when I did kind of leave ballet and, and transition more into contemporary, it was a really nice fit for a style of movement that I was a, a little bit more used to. Um, so, and now I think probably when I, when I dance and teach, the work that I'm creating is a mixture. It definitely has its ballet foundation, um, but it's, it brings in the Horton technique as well. And I'll be honest, like my only real experience is watching like So You Think You Can Dance. I don't know if that's the, the greatest like show of like everything that goes on with dancing. But when I watch that show, there's a lot of female and male dancers. And, you know, based off my personal experience, I'm sure Rhodes would agree, like when we see your students, it's mostly female students. So like how many male students do you usually have in your program? And is there something that you try to like pitch to, you know, male students to like maybe enter into the program to try to get that number higher? We go in waves where we have um, more men dancing in the program. And I think it, it starts with, it starts with one who maybe can have that influence and presence in the community to say like, Hey, this is actually 
a good thing. Um, and, and here's why, you know, and, and not feel like they're going to be bullied um, because of wanting to participate here. Uh, the benefits that the men get in the program, I mean, aside to thinking how many professional athletes take dance as part of their training. I mean, it is part of that flexibility and the agility and, you know, then being able to, to work on, being expressive and in, in which so much of our education doesn't necessarily uh, encourage these kids and, and finding ways to be creative and innovative. Those are, those are the key things that are taking individuals into successful fields. And so um, the arts are definitely where they get that, that, that practice. And so I think we've had several guys, um, like I said, in some years I'll have maybe, I think now, I think I have about five boys in the program in total. So we've gone years where I've had just one uh, to, like I said, probably about five kids. Um, we've had football players, we've had basketball players. Now I've got some track, uh, some track runners. So we definitely see the involvement of the athletes coming in. I did try to pitch an, an all males, uh, like hip hop dance crew, uh, just as a club. Um, but it's really, it's, it's challenging to try and especially during that cracker, it's challenging to try to find time and a schedule to dedicate to students who are not in the program. And, and it's something that I, I want to try to reevaluate because I do feel like there's a large number of, of our population that could be served um, that unfortunately we're just not able to. And I'd love to continue to, to think more on how can we and reaching out to the boys, I think is a, an area for growth because um, you see so many guys in, when you watch world of dance, I mean, these, these groups are mostly men. There's a ton that are mostly men and uh, they're coming out of, uh, a lot of the like LA area um, where dance is definitely street dance is, is more popular and even uh, groups coming out of New York, you know, the, the street performers. Um, so it's just, they have talent, they've got skills, but it's how do you get them over that, um, that fear of taking a class that they could potentially be bullied for. And so it's really kind of giving them that, teaching them to have the confidence to do, to do something that they find enjoyable and then how to kind of stand up against people who think that it's stupid. Um, you know, we saw it even with the good morning America, uh, scenario that happened just when was that two years ago or even last year when, you know, she commented about, um, you know, the, him taking ballet. And so it's, boys dance and i think the more that we can put it into the mainstream uh it's gonna it's gonna liberate a lot of kids who want this experience and are really missing out because they just don't understand that they you know they can do this and and not um you know not be ostracized for it yeah on a practical level i'm sure there's a lot of guys who'd rather be you know moving about during class than sitting on a desk too so that's probably a more enjoyable 90 minutes for for a lot of the kids as well um, so going back to your dancing real quick, like when you go to weddings or other events, like, do you feel like there's a lot of pressure on you just to kill it on the dance floor? Cause people like are aware of your dance background. Is that like a pressure you feel at weddings? I don't dance like no joke. Uh, <laughs> everyone's like, you're the dancer. Why aren't you out here? And I, I do think, um, I've reflected on that because it is silly. Like, why don't I like to dance at clubs or, um, at, at, at 
you know, when I was younger, I should say at clubs, but uh, at clubs or <laughs> weddings and celebrations, um, I think it's limiting for how expressive I would want to be, number one. Um, and everyone kind of looks the same doing, you know, the same type of bop to one side to the next kind of movement on a dance floor with some tip, some, some movement. So I, yeah, I don't know. I would much rather observe and have great conversation than get out there and dance. So typically you don't see me on the dance floor at, at celebrations. All right. Well, I'll, we'll keep that in mind at our next uh, teacher staff outing to the club. For those of you that are students, when you turn 18, like we'll, we'll teach you what a club is then. It's not. <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to lie, Rhodes. Like I love weddings and dancing at weddings because I feel like I'm very expressive. It probably doesn't look very pretty, but I feel like I'm very expressive. I'm just going to go on the record. I will help like be an advisor for the hip hop group because I, I know I can't dance and I wouldn't be able to do any of the choreography, but I would, I would help promote it. I would be your, your marketing person for sure. I do think that there's, um, you know, I just think the kids need something. Uh, like I wish that, that we had our, our, we had a step team uh, years ago. I think we tried to get it back up and launched, um, you know, but again, you see a lot of the females taking part, part, part in it. And I, I just feel like the boys, if they're, if they're not in sports, um, you know, they need something else that maybe could get them physically active, engaged and creative and give them something positive to do. So yeah, it would be kind of fun. Yesterday, I caught myself walking into a, a dark room and the door was locked and it was Rhodes' classroom and he was apparently doing yoga. And we've talked about this, like it's something that I appreciate and enjoy doing and I talked to Rhodes and I was shocked just to see him actually going through some, it looked like some stretches and flexibility yoga, but we'll, we'll, we'll debate that later. Um, but is that something that uh, like you either do with your class or you're familiar with or comfortable with? Um, because we feel like that's an important part of like dance is having that flexibility and that core strength. Um, so is that something you do? Uh, and if so, like what are some good tips for me and Rhodes as we are just starting out on this yogi journey? Okay, well, um, I, we do do it in class. Um, the kids love our, our, we call it sort of the mindfulness days, where a lot of times we will turn the lights off and um, just kind of start with some breathing techniques and go into some slow, gentle stretches. There's many different forms of yoga. So, um, you know, they, they will kind of, some will be more for strength, some will be more for flexibility. Um, I definitely like the ones that are more for flexibility um, than, than for the power strength ones. Uh, I you would sometimes take classes myself. Like I used to go to club works. Um, there's one heart yoga in Fuquay that I would also go to. I don't know if I'm allowed to say um, companies and stuff on, on a podcast. We, do we, we um, don't have any competing yoga sponsors. So that, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but again, time usually is cut short and I don't get a lot of time for myself in those ways. So um, it is important though. And I think that especially now I was, it's, it's more what I see the benefit of it is more for that internal focus um, in learning how to just kind of concentrate on, on one thing, whether it is, you know, your breath through, through a stretch, or it is just in, in how you're holding 
a position for strength and being still. Um, in our world where there is so much that is diverting our focus constantly, being able to really practice that element. So not just for your flexibility purpose, but really for the mindfulness and, and the ability to kind of not be distracted through life, I think is where you're going to see a lot of this mindfulness and yoga practices um, becoming even more important in our society, uh, especially in in today's uh, times with with so much being on screens and um, you know just a lot of stresses. I think it's a great way that people can uh, relieve that stress and take some time for themselves. So we promote it. We talk about it a lot in class, and then we do have our days um, where even virtually we will have our mindfulness days where we are doing uh, yoga stretches, slow stretch classes. And then even challenging the kids, uh, we used to call them Wednesday wellness days. And I say we used to because with um, the with days like today, uh, the asynchronous days, um, we kind of stepped away from it for a little bit. But really encouraging these kids to take just a little bit of time away from the screens to do something, go outside, focus on, you know, what you hear, focus on what you smell, just, you know, focus on the air and, and around, what's your environment around you. So although it's not yoga, um, it's still within that mindset of kind of the healthy practice for yourself. Um, as for new guys starting out on yoga, don't force yourself into any stretches. <laughs> um, make sure you're working slowly and safely and, um, yeah, just make do do it because it's gonna help you. And tell your athletes to do it too. I know that like um, I know the basketball team and uh, they were starting to do some yoga work uh, in the past several years. So I don't know about soccer or any other sports teams. I know that I've been brought in to work with um, the wrestlers years ago. I was brought in to to lead them through some stretches. So I'm happy, you know, to work with some of the teams if I'm asked. But yeah, it's it's important. Yeah. I mean, so yesterday was literally the first time in my adult life I've tried it. I did it a couple of times, like in high school gym class when I was furious and that we were not actually like playing basketball or football. It's like, ugh, yoga. But like yesterday I was like, you know, my wife's been telling me for years I should try it because I am, um, I have some, you know, stiffness, lack of flexibility issues. Uh, like it's like, it was, it was tough for me to even like sit like with my legs crossed, uh, crisscross applesauce as like the kids are calling it these days. Um, so yeah, I think this is, and my body is like absolutely dead today after doing 20 minutes of like super beginner, beginner yoga yesterday. So I'm excited to, you know, see, to, to try to keep doing it, uh, you know, in my, in my dark classroom and see how it goes. Well, and it, it definitely, I mean, when you know the, the science of your body and like how the fascia uh, solidifies when you don't move your joints in like full motion and you think about what happens as you age, um, having healthy practice is so important um, to, to kind of preserve a, a, a active lifestyle as you get older. So um, we take it for granted when we're young and yeah, the older you guys, you guys, we all, the older that we are getting, um, especially like I said, sitting so much uh, with, with COVID right now, it's changing our worlds. And so being able to find those types of practices are really healthy and important for you. Yeah, no, I just want everybody to know, just just so everybody knows out there, we're doing this during like our planning periods or our lunch uh, schedule. We're not doing this, you know, to start class and ignoring our students. I just want to throw it out there. We are practicing yoga on our free time, not on your time. Just so everybody knows.
Um, I'm, I'm sure the students would be, would be fine with it. I don't, I don't think they're super concerned. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they would be. Uh, I think they're just fine with that. Um, so you mentioned earlier that, you know, that you're maybe trying to start like a, a hip hop dance group with, this, with the class. Let's say that we kind of move away from students for a second and you're talking about making like a five person dance group, uh, a dance troupe, sorry, of Holly Springs faculty members. Which five staff members do you want for your faculty dance troupe? Wow. Well, I mean, in order for a troupe to have its popularity, you'd have to have Herrick. I mean, the man tries to dance every time I see him. So if we're going for talent, I couldn't necessarily say that he'd make the top five. Wow. Definitely. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. We're not cutting this out. This is great. <laughs> Keep going. But he definitely would be a star performer. And um, <laughs> yeah, you can't have a show without Eric. Oh, my goodness. Who else? Um, I think... Uh, well, you'd probably have to get like broom because I think like she would be able to to definitely move well and working with the cheerleaders. So I think that that would be a great person to have. I'd like to have her. Um, who else? My goodness, you're really you're pushing it. I, I think I'd like to have Karina Murray. I think I don't know if she can dance, but I think she could. I think so. Yeah, we'll probably put her in the team also. Let's see. Um, all right. Oh, you know, I think you got to put Inge in there. I think Brandon uh, Inge would be would be fun. Um, yeah, he would he would be able to cut a rug. I think. I feel like he'd be mortified to be put on this list. But I should... <laughs> Well, I'm just saying that out loud. I'm gonna go. I agree with Broom all the way because me and her have dance parties in the hallway all the time. But I don't know about Inge. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. And hmm, I'm trying to think of like different disciplines. You know, we live in our own little worlds down here um, in the arts, and so I'm trying to I'm trying to go through my roster of of who's out there. Oh no, you know who would do it? McConnell. Get McConnell out there. I think he could dance. Hey, if, if anybody doesn't know, like, they should ask McConnell. Shoot him an email. He's got a great dance video from his wedding. Uh -uh. Uh, choreographed, yes. Choreographed video from his dance wedding. That is, is actually pretty good. So uh -huh. if anybody ever wants to know how good of a dancer is, shoot him an email. So there we go. So we've got Herrick as your main star attraction. He's got to be the soloist because um, he just would steal the show anyway. Then you have our two leading ladies would be Broom and Karina Murray. And then you've got our, I'd say maybe our backup dancers would have to be. <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, let's go do it. We need to get them on video. I'll choreograph something and we'll send it to them. And, and we'll um, <laughs> you had to cast me or Rhodes as the lead role in the Nutcracker next year, who, who would be like the one that you would like think is the best dancer for the role? And who do you think would be like the most embarrassing one for the role? And you're not allowed to say that you'd cancel the show because you'd be embarrassed. <laughs> That's not one of your choices. You have to choose one of us. Okay, I would have to say Will. Um, so Will gets my vote for the Prince role, lead role in that. Um, and the reason why, if I have to support it, I would say, honestly, it's like just kind of in seeing your movement as like you, like we pass each other in the hall or we're talking or whatever. Um, I would like, you just seem more of a mover. 
to me. Uh, and then Brandon, I'm, I'm honestly getting to know you. And so like, just kind of like seeing uh, what ways in which you, you move your body as you talk or as you just kind of animate. Um, yeah, so I would, I would go with Will on that one. And that's not much of a compliment either for all of you, right? Like the way I move is not the greatest thing ever, but I do appreciate the compliment. I you're do. animated. You're more, I think you're more animated. And saying you move more fluidly than me, it's a very low bar to clear. So I guess if we're talking about the <laughs> answers, like besides for, you know, so you say that he moves, but like what, what other qualities would you see in someone that like makes them a good dancer? Being open to take risks is probably one of the first things that allows somebody to you know, find that greatness in anything, right? And so not holding themselves back and just saying, okay, I'll do this, why not? Um, and, and just being open-minded to, and courageous in, in being taking those risks. So the cowardly lion, like, would not have been a good dancer, just like too, too nervous, too scared? Yeah, yeah, he, he would hold himself back, definitely. And the Tin Man wouldn't move. So basically, really, it's the Wizard of Oz. That would have been a horrible dance troupe to make there. So that would have been... Yeah, that wouldn't work. Not okay. some Toto, maybe the dog. Maybe, yeah. Um, Toto liked to get into trouble. So kind of a little bit of an adventurous, mischievous spirit. That could have worked well. Um, so as we mentioned at the top, you are an original staff member of Holly Springs. Um, we haven't really actually talked a whole lot about the school's history on the podcast ever. So what was it like, like opening up a new school here and kind of what was, what was the school? What was your dance program like, like in the, in the first year of the school's existence? So the first year of the school's existence for about half the year, we didn't even have a place to take class. So my dance classes actually happened in the hallway where the main gym uh, empties out into the um, weight room. And so the poor staff and students had to walk over us and in between us um, while we were dancing. That was fun. Um, and uh, other than that, I think what was so, po what was positive and what was wonderful about it is that the community was really small. And as we only had, you know, two, two years, right? You only brought in your freshmen and your sophomores. And you kind of felt like you saw every kid. Um, you know, I'm somebody that I, I tend to think that I have high visibility in the school anyway. I'm, my, you know, I'm usually standing at the end of the um, hallway into the commons area. I'm there even without having to be told to be on a duty. I stand there at the beginning of the, of the day. I stand there often at lunch, you know, and it's, it's just a way to kind of see the kids. And so I do feel like when we were a new school, um, it, it, you felt like it was just a different, a different energy and enthusiasm of being somewhere new and being small and being a little bit more intimate with, with knowing everyone, um, or at least feeling familiar with who people were if you didn't necessarily know them by name. So that, that's something that you miss as the school obviously gets bigger. And the same with the staff. Like earlier, when you asked me to form a team, I mean, part of it is I'm having to go through faces and names and, and half the time it's, wait, uh, you know, what, what's that person's name? I can see their face, but um, it's really being able to form those relationships that gets harder as, as the system gets bigger. And to follow that up, um, obviously we're what, 13th year, 14th? I don't even know how long. Of 15? Are we in 15? 2007, 2000, yeah, 2006 and seven we opened. So I don't know. What's that? This is the 15th year of the school. So yep. just, just thinking about like how many years we've been open is, is there like a major change besides kind of just being able to make, you know, better connections with staff and students is there like a huge change that you've seen from year one to year 15 
Um, and is there something that you, like the second part of that question would be, is there something that's remained the same in those 15 years that you've really enjoyed about Holly Springs? Uh, I'm trying to put it in a positive, but I, I, you know, it's, it's sad when you think of the turnover, um, whether it's in, you know, your administrative staff, whether it's in the teachers, um, you know, when, it felt like when I was growing up in New York, the, the teachers that were in the schools and the principals, like they were the same, like they were, they were there. And, and it's, that's not the culture here. Um, you know, the, again, there's only but a handful of us that opened the school. Um, and of course, you know, sadly we've lost faculty, um, not because, because of death, you know, not because of transfers. But um, so I think that that's a way obviously with, with change, with time that will evolve. But I, I do think it, I think it is kind of a negative uh, in some way because you know you do you, you, you're changing your family you're, you're changing your family unit but that on a positive you are bringing in fresh ideas you're bringing in you know new growth um, and and different perspectives and so it, it can be looked at both ways I suppose but it is hard the longer you've been somewhere and you you have to accept that it's not you know, what it was and to hold on to the memories of, of that. Um, and then the second part of the question again was like, what's, what's something that's, you know, kind of maybe remained consistent, um, you know, a positive thing that's remained consistent through, you know, year one to year 15. The consistency, I definitely would say the community. We have had an incredible, and that's just, it's definitely one of the draws of, of staying here, of being here in the first place. Um, I just feel like the Holly Springs community is so supportive of the schools, of the children. Um, the kids are are just really great. They're, they're I don't know, they're just such an a, a important part of the success of, of what's happening here because of who they are, um, you know, in the ways that they want to show leadership, in the ways that they're creative, in the ways that they interact with us and with each other. Um, I, I definitely think that we're blessed with an incredible population of kids to work with and, and an incredible, you know, supportive community to, to, to have helping us, you know, deliver the education that we do. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I've, said this since, uh, since I started working here is I, I really love the Holly Springs community, uh, whether it's like the, the town, like the, the parents, the students and stuff. Like I, I really enjoy being a part of, of this community. Like I feel kind of more like this is my community as opposed to, you know, in Cary where I live. Um, this is like the, I can name like most of the town council members here. I have no idea who the mayor of Cary is, uh, which is a civics teacher I probably shouldn't be admitting, but like, I just feel like this has a much bigger impact on like how my life is as opposed to like what's going on, like in Cary where I live and everything. And it's been really neat, you know, when you do, when I, when you talk about growth, um, I remember driving out here before the school was even built or it was getting, it was being built. Um, and so it was just, you know, the dirt and, and the, the, the foundation structures and man, I mean, what 55 looked like and how it was just green highway. There was nothing. When the Walmart first opened, we actually performed there. Um, we were given actually, uh, a grant um, from from Walmart, a gift, a financial gift for our programs, and we ended up taking parts of the Nutcracker there, and we were dancing in the aisles. Um, and how exciting it was just to see so much of the the subdivisions and the shops, um, everything just start to develop around here um, has been an incredible 
experience because again coming from you know, coming from New York and Philadelphia these are very established you know places where they've buildings had been in existence for almost even hundreds of years so to come and, and now live in a community where it is all about growth and and newness and expansion um, has been kind of an interesting experience I guess is lack of a better word so I know over the last like few four or five years or so, I've seen you at kind of quite a few meetings where teachers have had a chance to give their opinions on like school issues um, in terms of like what they want change with the school. So let's say that hypothetically your name like principal or we'll even say dictator of Holly Springs for a day <laughs> and you would, wouldn't have to go through the totally not excessive or restrictive in any way uh, WCPSS bureaucracy. What are like your, what is your day one changes to, to make uh, Holly Springs High School um, better in, in your opinion? Uh, that's a loaded question. Um, it really taps into some of the more progressive theories of school, of what are we doing here, um, of how are we really preparing these kids in the curriculum that we teach to, and I'm going to keep using the words, to be creative and to be innovative. Um, how are we showing relevancy within within the work that we're assigning them? You know, I was watching something the other day that said, you know, our kids now um, know more about the world in which they live than, you know, ever before. And yet our educational system hasn't changed in over 100 years. Uh, we're still doing things the same way. And so it really, it would, it would really look at, you know, how could we get them out more? How could we do more service learning? How could we, um, you know, kind of break the walls down, do more collaborative uh, teaching where, you know, there's places in New York I, I worked at where the kids were actually in small learning teams and, you know, the teachers, whether it was like the English and the math teacher and of course the arts, like we would work thematically on, on teaching these kids through curriculum. So it wasn't that they went to math for, for 45 minutes and only learned math skills and then they went to, you know, social studies. So it's, it really is more of a uh, systems um, change. It's looking at completely, uh, I mean, it, Affecting change is hard when, you know, you're just a, a one person job. So being a dictator, you know, <laughs> maybe you would have if you had to had complete control and people didn't have, um, you know, a choice. But it definitely is, is how can you kind of have a new vision? Where can you where where have we been and where can we go and how can we not be so stuck to the old? And like, you know, that is one of the things about being forced to look at how I'm teaching right now through a new platform and being virtual in that, like I started the interview by saying, it is finding ways for me to innovate and to, to, to affect change and be different. And so I hope that all of us as teachers have that opportunity to, to kind of make some shifts in what we have to do and how we're doing it. Um, but yeah, part of it would just be, let's look at this structure. Let's look at, you know, exactly what it is we're asking these kids to do and why, and how can we just, how can we toss it up and just make it something new and, and more relevant for today's world? So your one small change is basically fundamentally changing how education works. In school. <laughs> yeah, one small change. Yeah. It's a big one. <laughs> that, would, that would definitely take a uh, dictatorship powers. Uh, to no. As long as you're not firing uh, teachers who start rogue podcasts, I think I think Will and I would be on board with it. So hey, that's cre that's creative work, man. Don't that's a good don't point. Get twisted. 
But I, I will say, I, I think based on like our whole conversation through the, the different segments and the different questions that we've asked you, I think that the one word that stands out is creativity. And I think that's something that as teachers and as students learning, I think that's something that, you know, has been hindered a little bit just based off what like we're told to do as teachers. And then obviously the students suffer from that. But I, I think if we can find ways to really bring out that creativity um, in our students, you know, depending on whatever, you know, subject they're learning, I think that could definitely be a benefit uh, to, to education as a whole. So I, I think that's just based off our whole conversation today. I think that that word creativity is a, a huge thing that we should try for. It definitely gives the kids more ownership and it, it promotes that buy-in um, when they feel like they have a say in what it is that they're making and doing and how they're applying what they're learning, again, in ways that are meaningful and relevant to them. And so, you know, we all have our goals of what we want the kids to learn, but in what ways are we giving them that, that freedom to show us how they are making those connections to what it is that they're learning and doing. And I think that's where as, as educators, we need to continue growing um, and, and not feeling like every kid has to create that same standardized thing. Uh, don't get me on the topic of standardized testing, right? But how, you know, every, every product at the end must look exactly the same. Um, it shouldn't. We are all unique individuals. And how do you, how do you build, you know, the, the, the next, person that's going to go out in the world and, and bring, bring, you know, the next new creative design of something, right? You've got to give them a platform to experiment uh, at a young age. And so being able to challenge these kids now is really uh, ways that we can only set them up for better success going forward. So I feel like you've kind of danced around this a lot of your answers, but we'll kind of let you leave today kind of answering kind of one last thing for all the students, parents, you know, administrators and school board members that are listening. Like what is the, what is the importance of kind of a fine arts education? Um, and why, why is that such an important part of like the high school experience? The arts are such an integral part of society. I mean, they, we used to learn primarily through them. Um, and so being able to, use the arts to show a, a, a variety of perspectives on a subject to be able to have an, 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 out, uh, an output for your um, reflection on life, on things that are affecting you. Um, you know, kids need that and individuals need that first, you know, as, as a form of self-expression, as that creative outlet, but also it, it teaches us, arts teach us so much um, about our world in ways that, again, you know, textbooks uh, may not. So I think for when you look at the four C's, something that is so important to our strategic plan, to our, our county's, you know, um, purpose of what, what we're doing here in education, when you look at a good arts program, those four C's have always been embedded. That is not something that was ever new to us and things that we had to train to do. Um, you know, our kids are, are obviously having to be critical thinkers and they communicate and they collaborate and they definitely, you know, to create. So it's, it's looking at ways that we're only strengthening these students through the arts to, to take these different skills that they're learning beyond the artistic medium um, into their professional worlds, whatever they may choose to follow. Well, awesome. I think that's, that's a great sales pitch for, uh, for perfect perspective dance students, uh, as well as, you know, for the school board. As again, I know we have many school board listeners here to make sure they give the, the art programs in Wake County more funding.
We don't have that many listeners, so don't worry. It's fine. Uh, un- unclear. We don't know. Again, it, it could be all the members. I was like, you're putting the. Pr- I thought this was supposed to be lighthearted and fun, and now I'm like, oh my god, I'm having yeah, to get. I, some I was. I, I, I was. I, I was kidding. The school yeah. members, I don't think, are uh, are actually listening. Um, but again, if 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 they are, I'm sure you acquitted the arts program very well. Um, they might fire me for wanting to um co- totally transform schools, so though. I don't know. <laughs> again. It, if the two of us haven't been fired yet, I, th- I think you're certainly safe. So I think we're, we're way higher on the hit list than you are. Yes, absolutely. Um, but we, we want to thank you for coming on to join us today. Uh, we appreciate you talking about the dance program. Um, even though you, you chose Will uh, to be the lead in the Nutcracker, uh, I'm not going to hold that against you. Um, I mean, there is an Arabian prince. I, I could put you in that role. Yeah, uh, you know, that's, uh, I'm down. Um, again, I... Yeah, I, I'm down. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I assume it wouldn't go worse than my three quarters of a year spent in choir. Um, so <laughs> it, it had, had to go better than that. But again, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you guys for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming on. Well, we really appreciate Miss Stoderman coming on and joining us today on the podcast. But coming up next, we will bring back our drafts by drafting things we love from our beloved lost October tradition, the fair. October in North Carolina usually means one thing. It's time for the North Carolina State Fair. This year, unfortunately, the fair has become one more thing canceled due to COVID. But its memory will live on and will live on for us as we draft our favorite things about the State Fair. Obviously, not growing up in North Carolina, my first time attending the State Fair was in college, and I immediately loved it. I'd never been to one in Colorado, but had been in Delaware a few times, and the North Carolina one was much bigger and better than anything I'd ever seen. I went every year for a while, and while I've skipped a few years lately, I still absolutely love it. What's your uh, State Fair history like? Did you go when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, I've born and raised in Fuquay, so definitely been to the State Fair uh, a lot um, like you, very similar. I think it was more of like a tradition to like go with your friends and family like as you grew up and as I've gotten out of college, I just had like less reasons to go and I've been like more busy because of work and things like that. So I haven't gone as much recently. Um, I don't think I've taken like the last two years off, but I haven't gone as much as I would like to. And that's something I hope to do a little bit more moving forward is just make it more of a consistent thing. Yeah, I mean, I love it. Um, so I will say, like, Claire is kind of not wanting to go the last couple of years. She says it's dirty and disgusting, quote unquote, which no arguments, but that's part of the charm. Um, well, I have the first pick. I'm not going to pick the dirt and grime first. Um, I am I have one thing about the State Fair that I love so, so much, but I don't think you're going to pick it first. I feel like I can get it coming back around. So I'm going to go with something else. Uh, for okay. my pick. And my first pick, I again, to me, the highlight of the State Fair is the food. Um, and uh, one of the best types of food is, is the deep fried candy, whether it's like deep fried Oreo, deep fried Reese's. They have like deep fried Kool-Aid, just like deep fried foods. That, that's my number one pick. And just so just so you know, as listeners, me and Rhodes talked beforehand that food would be way too general because there's just so many great tasting things at the fair. So food is the only thing that we'll be talking about in specific terms, and then everything else is going to be general. So I think for me um, to keep it in that general talk, and yes, you might, it might come back to you. Um, and this is something that I did a lot more talking about tradition and nostalgia for me uh, was when I went earlier in my, my life to the fair with my family. 
I love paying the one dollar or a couple dollars to play the games. And I think that's just something that growing up, that was my biggest like memory, funnest memory. I know funnest isn't a word more fun, whatever. I don't care. I'm not good at English. But that honestly is like the the best thing that I remember growing up doing at the fair. And I think a, a lot of people still enjoy that because like, hey, the fair is the same thing over and over, but you can always play a game. And I, I think that's a great memory to have. Carnival Games is a great pick. Uh, that's something that I was thinking strongly about taking with my second pick. Um, especially a state fair, like rigged carnival games, there's nothing like them. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to say the term carny anymore. We'll say no, um, but it's just super fun. So my favorite carnival game, which I love, um, which actually is like a little bit less rigged and there's always a winner, um, so which is probably why they don't have it at the fair. And I don't think they have it at the state fair is like the horse race thing where you kind of roll balls up and the horses kind of gallop across the the thing i'm super good at that i play that up at the boardwalk in delaware like every year uh, and i've won a few large horses there one of which um kennedy um, mcconnell stole and now is living in her home um but uh that's my favorite carnival game but again like rigged carnival games so much fun to to both watch and play yeah i think my, my favorite are the uh the water gun games like that that's definitely my favorite um out of all the the games they offer so i, I guess with the second pick and, and this is something like I've talked about before I feel like I'm not a big roller coaster fan so when I go to the fair like I don't really do any of the rides but I, I think the one ride and I, I know I said we were going to keep it just specific with food but this is the only ride that I think is like worth going on at the fair and I think it's it's fair to say that this is not necessarily like a amusement ride it's just like a general ride is riding the ferris wheel at the fair so i'm going to say that even though i did say rides technically were general that is the specific ride that i'm going with is the ferris wheel is that your pick? Board, i did not have rides i also just had the ferris wheel <laughs> oh, yes i got one of your picks yes that's a that's a great pick um i even if you chose rides, I was going to try to take the Ferris wheel later on anyway. So the fact that you got the one ride that I really wanted, um, that's it's a great pick. Um, so right after the state fair kind of happened, right after I moved back to North Carolina, uh, after I graduated from college, I was home in Colorado for a few months. Uh, so Claire and I went, we've been dating for a little over six months and kind of one of my favorite pictures of us, which is actually still on my desk right now, it's been there for my entire teaching career, is a picture of us um, on the Ferris wheel at the state fair, um, our first state fair uh, together. I think we were up there, um, you know, with the, with the fireworks going on in the background uh, behind us and just, uh, that's just one of, a, one, of the, one of my favorite memories of that is being on the Ferris wheel. So that's, again, I, I love kind of being on it, kind of seeing everything, seeing the whole fair. That's a, that is a great pick. Yeah, I, I apologize, man. And I, honestly, I don't even know if I've been on the, the Ferris wheel at the state fair, like state fair more than like once. But when I went to England, Ireland, like I went on the Ferris wheel there. And it's just like, it's an amazing experience to be able to just like see the view and in this case, the view of Raleigh and just like, like you said, the fireworks, everything. So sorry, I took that off your board, but I just had to. It's two, two really good picks. Um, all right. So for me, I'm going to go next. This is an interesting one. It might be not one that you had thought of originally, might not be on your draft board, but it's one that I think is one of the most fun parts. Uh, and that's people watching. I, I love people watching in general. Like give me any event, any environment, and you can people watch and have a good time, most likely. And I can't disagree. Going to the fair and just seeing the groups of people, you're, you will see 
every single stereotype of person, any group of person, any ethnic, like you, you'll see everything, any demographic, like you see everyone at the fair, right? And it's, it's definitely worth the two or three hours you walk around to see the people there. So great pick. I don't know how our listeners are going to respond to that, but that's a good pick. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that to me is just, I, I love people watching anyway. Like when I used to ride the bus home um, in middle school, I would just sit by myself and just would watch people around me. Also because I didn't really have any friends that rode the bus with and I was a <laughs> guy. So I, no one wanted to talk to me anyway, but I just like, I would like get to know people by just like listening to them and like seeing them over the years. Other people might consider that like creepy or whatever behavior, but I was just sitting there quietly, uh, like how a, a good kid might. Um, but yeah, I just, I enjoy people watching. Um, so my next pick is going to be my favorite type of food at the state fair. Um, to me that this, like, this is number one on my draft board, but I knew I could get it later. Um, I just, I love it so much. Um, and that's the, the Krispy Kreme, um, Krispy Kreme chili burger. I feel like I've talked about it before, but like the, uh, the Krispy Kreme burger is just, it's just so, so good. The first time I went to the state fair and had it. I was just so happy. I had no idea such an invention existed. And like, I keep want, I really shouldn't make it for myself at some point, but it's, it's, it's so good. I, I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to like, there's so many things I've had to eat at the state fair and like the fried, the fried candies, like you're, you're going to probably smash me in the strap because of the fried candy. But like, I, I don't know if that's my favorite, like additional food item. So I'm interested to see, where that ranks in the, the minds of our listeners, for sure. I guess it's on to me now. Um, I think I'm going to put this, not because I enjoy doing it. I'm going to be very, very honest. Nobody's going to care anyways because they don't listen to the whole segment. But I think a lot of people, when they go to the fair, do this regardless. And I think part of that is like seeing the farm animals. So as a general thing, like I'm going to say the farm animals in any capacity they're visiting the farm animals. Okay. Uh, seeing the farm animals. What is your favorite? If you had to go visit one of the farm animals, what, what's your favorite farm animal to hang out with? And just so people know, like I went to the fair last year and they have like your different animals and they're like different sizes. You can buy them. And then you have like the different produce and all that stuff in like the same area. So if I really wanted to, I could have like tried to expand that. Um, but my favorite animal that they have there is... I would have to say either like the the pigs or possibly like the like the little chickens, you know, like little chickens run around. I just it's so cute and adorable when you see a cute little piggy running around. Now in the environment that they're in, it's kind of crappy and it's it's terrible for the animals. But for my viewing pleasure, uh, I definitely would say the pigs or the the chickens. Yeah, you know, I feel like. That's actually a, a decent, you seeing the little chickens is actually a pretty decent approximation of what you did last Saturday night. I mean, you're just, you're just a chick magnet. What can I say? Oh my God. <laughs> now that would have been great to use in the segment before. Uh, so when uh, she listens to it from Raleigh Cheesy, she listens to it. She probably would have enjoyed that, that joke. She would have laughed out loud. Um, that, does that put me at the, the fourth pick, last pick hey, for you me? Got, you got your last pick coming up. Whew. Wow, at this point, like people watching would have been a very good pick. Um, I'm trying to think of a food item that I think would would help me. Um, because there, I will say, I'm not going to pick this because it's not appropriate for our listening base, but that little area that they have now that adults can go to and there's beverages served, like I think that's a cool little area, but it's just like a very isolated spot um, of the fair and it's just not uh, 
it's not much to do, to be quite honest. So I'm not going to say that as one of my picks. Um, so what I'm going to go with is a kind of a dessert that I think a lot of people get when they're at a fair because it's just like it makes you think of fair food and fair like, you know, fried food. And that's funnel cakes. That's a good pick. Um, I actually thought about that. I, I, I feel like that probably was not a part of my deep fried. That's not a, a deep fried candy thing. That's just regular deep fried dough. Uh, but funnel cakes are delicious. Um, coating your fingers in, in powdered sugar is always delicious. It's basically just fried dough and powdered sugar, which is an amazing combination. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's going to help me push past your fried candy options, but I had to put something on there food-wise to try to help me out. All right, so my last pick. So I got a food option. I kind of have something else I also mentioned earlier. Um, I thought about just p even just picking like the nostalgia factor and memories. That's not really a state fair thing. Uh, fun story though, once during state fair traffic, a week before the story I talked about earlier when me and Claire were on the Ferris wheel, I did total my car um, in state fair traffic, which caused a massive delay for many, many people. So if you were going to the state fair on October 16th, um, 2010, and you were delayed, that was my bad. I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> I will say it did, it did suck more for me than it did for you guys. It also sucked for the cars that I hit. Um, so that's... I, I love how you waited 10 years to... Uh announce that but I've, I've really, sorry I've, I haven't really had this public forum to apologize in the past um, but I really am sorry about that um, it, it was not it was not a very pleasant experience um, but that's kind of too vague um, one thing I used to love which I actually which I'd only seen the Delaware State Fair which apparently I do have in North Carolina also is like the little pig races um, I used to love those when I was a kid but I haven't really seen those here um, so I'm gonna go with another food because again like I said to me the food is the highlight um, and one of my favorite foods to get is just the, uh, is the corn, just like slathered and it's so sweet and so buttery and so delicious. I'm going to go with the corn. So I'm, I'm going three food items. We got the deep fried foods for me, the Krispy Kreme burger and, uh, and corn, um, trying to be a little healthy with a pound of butter added on top. Um, so we'll go along with my people watching. Well, I hope, I surely hope that all the people voting are not our high school students um, because I feel like, yes, when you go to the fair, it's like your excuse. That's like your cheat day wrapped in from the whole year into one day. Uh, so anybody can eat all that food. But I feel like our high school aged or former students are more likely to vote in your direction. Hopefully the older adults and more nostalgic voters will vote for me. So we'll see how it goes. I don't think I'm going to get crushed in this draft. But we'll see. Yeah. You know, certainly I'm going to have to do a lot of yoga to make up for all the calories that I'm uh, putting in uh, on, on, my, on my fair day. So that's – actually, I think my Instagram profile picture is me eating a Krispy Kreme burger. I think that actually is the profile picture I have. Yeah, I've, wondered, I've wondered what you've been, like, devouring. Every time I see your Instagram posts, I'm like, what is he eating? Every time I see your story pop up, like, what is that guy eating? Yeah, so, that, that is actually – that is at the fair, me eating a Krispy Kreme burger. So that's, that shows how much I love it. Um, a, a super not disgusting at all picture. But what's even less disgusting than that is, nope, that's a terrible segue. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully you didn't find it disgusting at all. Uh, we appreciate your listenership. I uh, hope everyone has a safe and not too spooky Halloween. Yep, we appreciate everybody. Uh, I, I second that. Have a great time uh, this weekend. Stay socially distanced um, as much as you can. Wear a mask when needed and have a good weekend. We'll see you guys next week.